Hey, you have arrived for another episode of Busy Work with your host, Corey, from the College of Charleston School of Business. One of the things I really enjoy about podcasting is meeting unique people in the business world who are also podcasters. And with me today, right here in our studio, is a very special guest to talk about one of my favorite topics the future of business, something that I think is a really unique topic, always on our minds, always something to consider, always something we should be thinking about. So Michelle Smith is a College of Charleston alum. She is the program manager with Amazon right now, but also works with technical apprenticeships, and I'll let her explain that a little bit further. Uh, She's an entrepreneurship in residence for Let's Talk About Skills Baby, a podcast that I've linked to in the description. And Michelle, welcome to Busy Work. Thank you so much, Corey. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> we uh, really need to know a little bit more about you. I know you're a College of Charleston graduate, so maybe start out, tell us a little bit about your time at the college, what you majored in, and then tell us a little bit more about what you're doing right now, because you've got a really unique kind of thing going on right oh, now, too. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm a College of Charleston grad, class of 2015. Um, while I was at the college, I was really involved um, in the business school, actually, and in the community. You just get such a vibrant entrepreneurship community here in Charleston. Um, and I majored in business administration and minored in hospitality. Um, and there were a few probably like bigger impact things that I remember now, like years later, from being here um, that I think really helped me kind of prepare for my career. So um, one of those was I was lucky enough to get through the rigorous interview process for Charleston 40, which was <laughs> <laughs> which was a little stressful at the time. I actually um, was rejected once and then went back and got accepted. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, um, and that was just such a great group to be a part of. It really always makes you excited to be here. Um, I was a Shotland Scholar my senior year, so a part of that group of business students that tours, like I think it was 40 organizations when I was in school. I don't know if they've expanded that um, and did a couple business trips to just get an introduction to a bunch of industries. Um, And I was also lucky enough to have some time to play with. I had a gap semester where I did Mm -hmm. an internship in Ghana that was partnered with the School of Business and was credit towards my bachelor's essay in the Honors College. Wow. Yeah, um, which was, that was a trip. (laughs) It was a great learning experience. I was there with um, three other College of Charleston students, um, and we really dove deep on um, a lot of initiatives for this nonprofit. We were there both to help set up um, a hotel um, as well as work with an NGO um, for one of um, the women who works at MUSC and has a connection to the college, which was just amazing um, to get to do. And probably all these years later, I remember most like getting to spend time with the business women in that area. Mm -hmm. I was able to set up a distribution system for one of their local food sources, which was really cool. So So you did not spend four years just enjoying Charleston. You were were really busy with those programs. Uh, It it sounds more (laughs) impressive when you just say it in a minute. I I definitely enjoyed myself too. You know, there were some Fridays off at the beach. Okay, all right. You know, some some balance for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So we we do talk. Uh, you know, the podcast here is is on pretty much whatever I feel like talking about, which is kind of nice. But we do talk a lot about work and and what that means and how that changes over time. How it's changed a lot just in the last couple of years. It's hard to define what the future of work is. I don't think anybody would have seen how Zoom would become such a critical tool just overnight. And and along with all these other things that we've come to take um, almost for granted in the last couple of years. 
how do you look to the future and, and predict these things and, and kind of give us some insights into what it even means to, to think about the future of work? Absolutely. And it's it's so interesting to kind of be tied to this space because it's still being formed, mm -hmm. right? So everyone has different definitions and different focuses within future of work. Um, for me, I, I think it's exciting and important to talk about the hybrid virtual in-person conversation. Um, but what really piques my interest even more than that is more of um, the future of the work environment in terms of how can we make our workplaces more human? You know, right. we're seeing the great resignation right now. We're seeing talent really having much more of a voice than they used to in the past in terms of what's expected from their employers. Um, and for me, that kind of means um, a couple of different things. It's workplace culture. Is mm -hmm. your boss emailing you at eight o'clock every single right. night when your typical hours are nine to five? Right. Like, what kind of balance are you able to strike with life um, and what you want to do? And then is your employer able to provide like those healthcare benefits, wellness things? Are those top of mind? Um, and are they able to help you progress to where you want to go and actively in that conversation? So I think there's a, a few different like pillars there, but in my mind, it's all about making workplaces more human because it's where we live a lot of our life. So, so tell me about your current your current role right now because you 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 deal in the field of mechatronics, correct? Yes, which is <laughs> which is definitely a future of work. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> didn't even exist a few years ago. So so tell us a little bit more about mechatronics because I, I know a lot of people probably aren't familiar with that. And then how how what you're doing with that field, especially ties into apprenticeships because I think that's a big part of your role as well. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, for those who don't know, my um, full time job right now is with Amazon. I'm a program manager for technical apprenticeships in megatronics and robotics. Mm -hmm. So lots of words. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Megatronics essentially just focuses on, um, it, it sounds like such this like sexy, cool topic <laughs> and really it focuses on like your industrial equipment. Sure. So for a company like Amazon, that's our conveyor belts. That's the mm -hmm. things that keep our buildings running and the lights on. That's our robotic arms that, um, move our packages and our sortable, um, equipment and tech. So, um, in my role, I am a part of organizing and making sure all systems are running um, for our apprentices to come into school. The way this apprenticeship program works is that it's tier one associates who are our packaging folks um, who can apply for this opportunity if they want to. And because there's a shortage of a workforce in this arena and we're expanding and having more technology mm -hmm. and need more people, um, Amazon foots the bill when they're, if they're accepted into the program after an interview um, to have them go to school for three months. <clears throat> they get um, four national certifications as well as they pass an internal certification to prove they can do the job. So three months full room board tuition wow. and paid on top of it. Yeah, removing all those barriers so that folks can actually get trained mm -hmm. in this field. Um, and then they go back to their site. They have a, about a year, we say 2,000 hours of on-the-job learning. Wow, um, so 2,000 hours within the year? Yeah. Wow, uh, so full-time job. Oh yeah, full-time, yeah. yeah. And um, and there are like raises and milestones across sure. this program. Um, and at the end of the three months of school and the 2,000 hours, and they're promoted to what's called a Megatronics Junior Technician. They're able to you know have some more responsibility, independently do their job, 
Um, and most folks, by the time they graduate the program, have about a 40% increase in salary. So it makes a big, big difference for people. And, you know, we get all types of folks. It's some folks who maybe couldn't go to college, maybe did some college, or maybe did do a four-year degree and just really want to switch things up for themselves. So, And that's kind of a hybrid between robotics and programming and, and the hands-on technical stuff, oh, but absolutely. also the, the computer side of that. So it really is a unique Thing that has has developed and continues to develop over time. Oh, it's a whole mix. And um, from my perspective, and what I like to tell my apprentices is that you know, you're a lot of people come into the program thinking, oh, I'm going to work with robotic arms right away, <laughs> um, and that's like not quite the case. Um, but what it does is it gives them the foundation mm -hmm. to get to that level if that's something that they choose to do. As more artificial intelligence and different pieces of equipment are um, being incorporated, not just across Amazon, but really all manufacturing companies. Now, you mentioned, and, and this is within the future of work, how we've, we've really blurred lines between when work starts and work stops. I always think about my dad. My dad left work at 5 o'clock in the, in the evening, and that was it. There was no checking email, and there were no voicemails. Of course not. No, went back in in the morning and just started the next work day. You, you were talking about getting, getting an email at 8 o'clock at night. And, and so as we look at the future of work, as that becomes more common and there starts to be that pushback, what can we do to, to be aware of that, and especially if you're in a leadership role, and make sure that you're not causing that problem to get worse? Yeah, and it, and it is hard because so much of it stems from the top of your organization. So um, I'd say like at the, because I know the listeners are gonna be most likely on the employer side of it sure. or the employee side of it. So to answer that question first, I'd say really, you know, do your research and not just on the organization, but on the team that you're joining because ultimately your day-to-day -day work life revolves around that business unit and that right. team and what that leadership team does. Um, so I'd say from the leadership perspective, you know, it's leading with empathy, it's having your set priorities in place so that you know what you're willing to have some trade-offs on to take a little bit more time in order to push some other things forward and allow your employees to, yeah, like have a life, have a right. dog, like take right. the dog for a walk after work and do those things. Um, and from like my current employ employer and team, I'd say like it's been um, just such a breath of fresh air that I, I know if my manager calls me outside of work hours, there's like something that's happened. It's sure. very unusual. So setting that boundaries and saying like, look, like um, I will do the work. I work at these hours at these times. You don't necessarily have to email me back then. I used to have a manager who would email us at like, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night because that was the time that she was up and thinking. Sure. So she always like had a notice on it that said, this is not something to respond to right now. Like, please be asleep. So right, right. Those kinds of things too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Worry about this tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are, you a, are you an in-office employee, a remote employee, a hybrid? What's your situation? So I'm like, I'm a non-traditional hybrid. Okay. I don't know what oh, that that's, means. That's a, that's a future um, of work right yeah, there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so my role is coded as fully virtual. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality for me, um, it's most important for me to be at the school onboarding um, new apprentices to the program. Sure. The first touch point they have with the apprenticeship um, from Amazon's perspective is um, when they're at school. So mm -hmm. every three weeks I'm onboarding about 20 students at a college in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so for that I'm in person and that's like a Sunday through Tuesday kind of thing. Um, and when it's those weeks and I'm working Sundays, that's where, um, again, just thinking about ways to 
have balance and stuff. My team's had conversations about if you were working from Sunday that week, you know, take Friday, take a couple hours off in the afternoon, mm-hmm. like do what you need to do to um, make life, make this lifestyle work for you and these initiatives. So um, it's nice because I feel like by the time I, for me personally, by the time I hit three weeks, even though I'm so engaged in my work and I'm talking to my team a lot, I do get to a point where I'm like, you just want to see like someone yeah, in right. person. So <laughs> it's nice to get then like a full um, view of like 20 new faces mm. and get to introduce them to this really exciting milestone in their careers as they're starting yeah. this new field. I'm going to change gears a little bit. We, You mentioned something, um, the Great Resignation. Some have called it the Big Quit. I'm never sure what it is on any on any given day. Yesterday, I saw the first one was the Great Renegotiation, which was kind of like thinking about how you can uh, take advantage of your current situation mm-hmm. to move up a little bit. So that was a new one for me. But it's something that's going to happen to everybody at some point, probably multiple points in your career. You're going to have to make a choice, a career transition. It may be a major transition. But what can we do if, if you're somebody that's considering being in that resignation or re- renegotiation or the big quit? What can you do that would be a good consideration when thinking about a career shift? I know you work with people who do that. So, so what are some considerations I should be thinking of if I'm looking to make a big change from one career to the next? Oh, and I love this topic so much. <laughs> so, and this is, it's definitely tied into my work with Amazon as well. Um, and it's really what I'm focused on with my startup as I'm an entrepreneur in residence mm-hmm. at Skills Baby. Because um, what we are really passionate about is kind of driving community and awareness around um, skill sets and having people think about their skill sets a little differently. So when I think about the best thing people can do when they tr- transition fields, Um, I think the first thing is like, you know, deeply thinking about not just like what you like, what kind of success looks like to you in your next role, because I think that can vary greatly. Um, But I think it's what are your non-negotiables and how will you explain your value to people Mm -hmm. as you're having these conversations, Um, which I like to talk about in terms of a skills story, which is a little bit broader than what a lot of people might consider. I think a lot of people think of what they bring to the table as just their professional experience or right. maybe their acad- like core academic experience. And um, what we talk about at Skills Baby is um, life skills and all of those other pieces that you bring to the table. You know, are you the CEO of your household? Are you the one running mm-hmm. your bills and running the family? Are you negotiating with a toddler every single night just to <laughs> eat like a piece of a carrot? Um, and all of that stuff is has real value mm-hmm. and can bring something to the table professionally and vice versa. If you're learning how to set boundaries and give feedback professionally, that might help you with your like kind of cranky teenager or something like that. So kind of looking at um, that holistic perspective of what makes you uniquely you and how can that contribute and be something um, a little different than what the organization already has that you're interviewing with. And that's and that comes back to the research thing. What what is their need? Where are they lacking Absolutely. in something that mm-hmm. you can you can and, and convey that? Like I noticed this is an area of need. Let me tell you how I can help with mm-hmm. that. One of the one of the biggest mistakes I made at an interview years and years ago was and, and I realized this later, I kept talking about how this job was going to help me. It was going to be easier for me to commute. It was going to be, um, you know, it was going to be an advantage in terms of um, uh, the the extra things I was going to be able to do. And I didn't get that <laughs> get hired for that. And as I was looking back on the interview, I realized I spent all my time telling them what they were going to be doing for me and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So being able to tell how I can help, how I can be beneficial to that team, as you mentioned, a real, really big deal. Tell us about entrepreneur in residence. That's that's kind of a, how long have you been doing that now? 
About a year, actually. Um, we officially started that around last March. Um, and for me, um, because I have my full-time employment um, and I enjoy what I'm doing there right now, um, the Entrepreneur in Residence is kind of part-time and woven mm -hmm. into my daily life. Um, and what that means for us at Skills Baby is it's the a little bit of the business development side. So things like this where I'm just talking about and raising awareness about the conversations we're having on actually two podcasts. So Great. there's, yeah. And don't let me forget to t have you kind of plug both of those. I oh mean, my I'm gosh. interested in hearing about both of those. Of course, yeah. No, there, <laughs> there's always, there's so much good conversation out there these days. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, about just talking about what we're doing. And then for us, it's also about things like, you know, finding the partnerships, establishing our strategic mm -hmm. vision, thinking about what the future of this organization looks like for us, which can be so many different things, but we're really looking at it as like, what's most helpful for, for both employers and employees as we talk about um, skills-based hiring um, and learning and what that means for everybody, mm -hmm. so which really impacts all people. We, um, Kelly, our founder, and I just had this conversation yesterday where we were like, oh my gosh, like we talk about, you know, the employer and the employee and job seekers, and really that's everyone. Yeah, <laughs> like, that covers it all. Yeah, it's <laughs> all, all people that um, are really impacted by this at one point in their life or another. Yeah. So um, it's how can we make it a little bit easier for folks to, yeah, have that um, have that knowledge of what that um, core skill set is that they've got, and then um, have the, the employer understand what skills they're actually hiring for. Because a lot of employers aren't great at that as well. So it's for me, it's defining all aspects of the business as we continue to grow and see like what the need is out there for all of these folks in the shifting job market. Because it is, it, it is changing quickly. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> yeah. If, it, and as you start to gain some hindsight, I know you deal with the future of work, but as you look at, at the past history of work just in the last year or two, what has been a skill previously valued may not be as valuable, and then skills we didn't even really know were a big deal are suddenly a big deal. How can I identify a skill set that's going to be valuable? What can I do to look internally and think about what I bring to the table? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, and for me, I think it, from my perspective, like in the past, I think it's so e it's been so easy for job seekers to get hung up on the technical skills yes, that they have. Yes, absolutely. And those are absolutely important, and it's good to know like what um, basic qualifications there are for the job that you're seeking in terms of the tech piece, whether that's you know, a basic Python certification mm -hmm. or um, other like coding mechanisms if that's a part of your job or in terms of just software. Um, software knowledge and like data intelligence is so big right now. Um, but for me, and I think what a lot of employers are realizing is that those tech skills go in and out of style, like you were saying, so, yeah. so fast because our technology is changing so rapidly. Um, so I really encourage people and I always like, um, when I'm thinking about my own skills that I have, um, I think about more the life skills that I bring to the table, which are, tr are traditionally called the soft skills. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have examples of having um, deep critical empathy as you're working in a group project right. or in a part-time job if you're a first-time job seeker? Do you have examples of how you problem solved and were able to get a solid result fairly quickly? Do you know how to give and receive 
hard feedback, which right. is all a part That's a big of skill. <laughs> all a part of the job environment. Yeah. And I think those things show employers if you're able to communicate them that you're someone who is willing to learn and able to adapt. Because really, yeah. being able to change constantly is probably the most important thing in today's work environment. That's a great. That's a great uh, example. That uh, you, okay, I understand this software. Well, that's not the software we use. Yeah, but I learned this one. I can learn yours. And if once exactly. I figure out I can mm-hmm. do that, I can do the next thing. Um, so you have some interesting questions that you put in your LinkedIn profile. And I thought I thought this was neat. Oh, oh I'm uh, excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I saw the Ask Me, which was an unusual thing. And I really, really liked it that it was not something I expected to see in a LinkedIn profile. But I, I you know, I, there were four things there. And one of them, I think, was was probably the one I wanted to ask the most. Why you summited at a 14,000 foot mountain in 10 hours? Of course, already I was impressed with the 10 hours thing. I don't know that I could do that in 10 days. Yeah, I'm like shaking my head right now because that was like not the smartest thing that I've done. Um, But that was actually so my first company out of school was a boutique management consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that culture there and what drove me um, to joining them was that we did something called leadership ventures. So we'd get out of the office, spend a few days doing something physically challenging as a team. Um, it helped to bond the team. It helped to just like, you know, kind of cut your teeth doing something new and different sure. and really get outside of that comfort zone. Um, so I signed up for the trip <laughs> to go on <laughs> a 14,000, to hike 14,000 feet because I was like, oh, this is a cool challenge. I want to challenge myself in this way. I think this will be really interesting. And then it was like a couple of weeks before the trip. And then as we were leaving that, I was like, oh, I did not know what this means. Like, this is like above tree line, above right. oxygen level. Like, right. it was just kind of crazy as we started preparing for this. Because we, we did like a month of planning as a team. And people were like, yeah, we have to get to the summit by noon because then there can be torrential rainfall and lightning. And then it's dangerous <laughs> to be up there. And there's no way to get down the mountain if you're up. So, like, God forbid something happens. And I was like, what are we doing? Um, and I remember having a conversation with our partner the night before we left, um, who was the guy who who kind of led the whole um, trip. And he was like, Michelle, if you don't want to do this, just stay home. And I was like, whoa, that's not what I said. I'm just acknowledging that it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, And what was great about that experience was I ended up surprising myself um, as we're like hiking up this mountain. So it's so funny too, to see people's like stress reactions. Right. I had a friend um, and colleague who was like, we haven't been hiking for five hours. We just started. I'm like fresh as a daisy. Let's keep going. And I was like, all right, she's losing it. Like, reverse psychology. Yeah. No, I'm fine. Oh, and then I had another friend who was like, okay, I'm just counting backwards from 99 steps and this is how I'm going to make it up the mountain. So 99, 98. I was like, I literally have to get away from you. I, I can't do this. Um, but what happened was we had like such a wide range of um, – physical fitness levels that we had like former college athletes who were just a year or two out of school who were like trying to scale it so fast and so quickly. And then we had, you know, parents and people who had been um, out of like their peak physical condition for a while, while. you know? Um, And I ended up being a pretty solid middle where I was like, okay, we're no, we're not going to have everyone get up this mountain the way that we're trying to do it. Like, and the goal is to get everyone up the mountain safely. So I ended up being the one like steadily like a turtle, like getting everyone up the mountain and kind of leading the path once we got to kind of the above tree line point of no return. And 
everyone made it up the mountain safely, and then we understood what um, altitude sickness was as we came back down. <laughs> How do you, so did you have to bring your own oxygen with that one? Did you have, or did you just have to adjust your breathing for no, that? No, we had to, yeah, adjust breathing and like wow. recognize that it was it was gonna be a lot. Um, I think if I were to do that again today, I would have I would have trained a little bit harder. Right. But yeah, but <laughs> it was such a great experience and I think it really did um, meet the goals that we had as a team of like, making sure everyone got up, A, because that was the most important, right. and then B, kind of showing and getting to know our team members in their like stressful like crisis mode so we could know how to react to that when that happens at work which hopefully is not quite as stressful yeah, that's a, that is a that is an intense team building exercise oh yeah i i don't think that, that they were gonna do that again because they were like this was probably a bad idea in terms of like safe things but it was good i enjoyed it we did an escape room once that's as far as we've gone with it it's also very fun yeah <laughs> don't need your own oxygen for that one no all right so you mentioned i i find time difficult to get for one podcast, but you're doing two podcasts. So tell us a little bit about these two podcasts you're doing. Yeah. So, well, the one I'm actually much more in the supporting function. Okay. So our f founder, Kelly Ryan Bailey, who is actually also a CFC alum, um, but that is not how we met. So it's just kind of <laughs> That's funny. coincidence. Yeah, yeah. That it worked out that way. Um, so she hosts the podcast that the company's named after, Let's Talk About Skills Baby. Mm -hmm. um, and she talks to different leaders in future of work and just different executives in the world of work mm -hmm. about um, the skills that they feel like have been the most beneficial for them throughout their careers and kind of their perspective on changing work environments. So um, she, uh, we have so many like great inspirational guests and like authors who come in and just, you know, it's, I think it's so easy to get bogged down in today's world of like, there's so much out of our control and yes. it feels a little scary. Um, so it's so refreshing to just get to like really talk about the inspiring parts of today and where the world is going. Mm -hmm. So I, I love the conversations that um, we have there. And then um, the podcast that I co-host is called Got Skills, like Got Milk, but Got right, Skills. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty bite-sized. It's like seven, eight minutes. Um, and we really bounce off of the conversations that Kelly has and talk about, okay, so let's like really think about what core skill this person was explaining in the conversation and how this directly applies to first-time job seekers, job transition people, and like what action item can they take away to try to make that part of their journey a little bit easier. So it, that's a lot of fun. Um, we've had a good time just really trying to make it as digestible and easy for people as it possibly right. can be, because um, people are busy, you know? Yes. You just wanna like be like, all right, what's the, what's the thing that I need to know? And then yes. I'm gonna go do it. Um, and it's just nice to have a little, a little short stint. It convinced my family to listen to it for the most part. <laughs> like yeah. it's eight minutes, you can do it. I, you know, I, when I started doing this, uh, my thought was it's going to be so hard to come up with topics. That turns out to be not a problem. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's so many topics. It's growing an audience that seems to be the hardest thing about this because as you mentioned, there's so many options, but you, you really made the, the best point that a positive message, something that's going to really help people. So hey, just in a few minutes, I can feel better about things. That's a great idea for the consistency of, of a, of a, a podcast. Oh yeah. Well, and just recognizing that, you know, there are um, different times throughout our day and different times throughout yes. our lives where we want different content. So sometimes you're driving and commuting in and you want that full context and mm -hmm. full 30, 40 minute conversation, or you're a leader of a company really trying to get that full perspective. Um, and yeah, there are so many other times where you're just like walking the dog really quick and right. you're like, what's a five minute lesson I can, I can learn. Right. 
Well, Michelle, I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate it. I know you're going to be meeting with some students today, which is great. Thank you for taking the time to stop by Busy Work today and talk about your unique background, but also the things that we can think about in the future of work and really think about internally, what is it that we have skill set wise that's most beneficial to a potential employer? So thank you for taking the time to be here, Michelle. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> If you've been following the show recently, you may have noticed this is my 30th episode, which is really exciting for me. Uh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, and all I can say is with confidence that while it's difficult to predict the future of work, it's easy for me to predict the future of busy work, more interviews, more insights, more of what helps you mind your business. Hey, we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye.